This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! Hey guys, welcome to the Lightning Round Podcast. Jamie is here with me. He is at Lightning underscore round, of course. I am at Garrett Sisti, and today is just going to be kind of a casual podcast. Uh, Jamie and I were at camp yesterday, which was Thursday. Uh, it was the joint practice against the Rams, and we're just going to give you an update on what we saw from camp. We're just going to get straight into it, and I think the big storyline from camp and something that you and I were watching a lot because uh, during that joint practice they had the Chargers defense and the Rams offense on the far field, which we didn't get to see. But right in front of us, we got to see the Rams defense versus the Chargers offense. And something that uh, we were kind of keeping an eye on was the Chargers offensive line. Yeah. So, you know, kind of leading up to that practice, it's my understanding that the team has been basically sticking with Feeney as a starting left guard unless he was giving Mike Pouncey a break at center, which means that Lamp had basically been relegated, Forrest Lamp had basically been relegated to second team duties and the occasional first team snap when they were shifting Feeney to center. But the first thing we noticed was I believe the team had, I think it was eight 11 on 11 sessions yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And five of them featured Forrest Lamp at left guard, not right guard, uh, with Mike Pouncey in the lineup at center. So he start he opened five of the eight sessions with the first team offensive line at left guard. And I thought, you know, while he wasn't perfect, and he definitely had some issues with uh, uh, Aaron Donald at times, he had he also had some good reps against Donald. We saw him pull, make a couple of nice reach blocks. Uh, he stood up Michael Brockers a couple times in pass protection. Uh, I mm-hmm. thought overall, uh, you know, while it certainly wasn't perfect, Lamp had a, a good day. There was more good than bad, uh, plenty of reason to be optimistic. And obviously to see him get inserted in the lineup the way they did was very encouraging in my opinion just because they hadn't done it before. And here they have a, a joint practice with their crosstown rivals. The NFL Network was in town filming filming the practice and – Lamp got the majority of the first team snaps and handled them quite well. And it looked like, just based on how they were using Lamp and Feeney, that Feeney might be beginning a transition into more of a swing interior lineman role. So that was definitely, at least in my opinion, the biggest the biggest takeaway from camp was the inclusion of Lamp in the starting lineup at left guard. And, you know, the seeing Feeney play left guard and center with the second team. Yeah, from my count, Lamp was in five of the eight reps with the starters, but I think one of those reps was with Dan Feeney at center and Forrest Lamp at left guard. Correct. But regardless, not taking away from your point at all, because I completely agree, is that it seems like the battle at left guard between Dan Feeney and Forrest Lamp is swinging towards Forrest Lamp's direction right now, and we're seeing Dan Feeney as the backup center now, which now puts pushes the fifth-round pick from last year, Scott Questenberry, down the depth chart as well. And uh, maybe Dan Feeney, while we thought maybe Forrest Lamp was going to be the guard and Dan Feeney was going to be the future guards, it might be Dan Feeney at center it works out there, and uh, Mike Pouncey isn't long for the Chargers after this year. Uh, he might be the starting center later on, but as of right now, it seems like Forrest Lamp is going to be that starting left guard, or at least getting the uh, starter minutes come preseason. Yeah, and Pouncey's contract does expire at the end of the year, so he'll be an unrestricted right. free agent at the end of the year. And it seems like they basically have Feeney shadowing Pouncey and learning from him. So who knows if they're going to bring Pouncey back, but it looks like they want to at least have Feeney prepared to play center if they don't bring Pouncey back. And that kind of jives with some things we heard 
not last off season, but I think it was the off season before uh, from um, Kyle, Posey. Kyle Posey, our yep. former colleague at Bolts from the Blue, who said that when the team drafted Feeney, they really preferred him as a center, but they were forced to move him to left guard when um, he was rolling it to Philip Rivers in, <laughs> in uh, training camp. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I was talking more about when um, when they lost Matt. Um, Matt Slauson mm. in the middle of the season in 2017, they had to move Feeney over. Yeah. So, um, and now it seems like they're kind of getting back to viewing him more as a center and as a swing interior lineman than they are a starting left guard. So I think there's a lot to be taken from that. And obviously from my perspective and from Forrest Lamb's perspective, I'm sure somebody who's used to playing left tackle might prefer to play on the left side. So it seems like that's a more natural fit than the right guard position they had him playing in his first camp before he got hurt. Uh, and it also means, based on what we saw, that uh, Michael Schofield is basically locked in as the right guard. There's no competition going on there. We didn't see any kind of rotation. He received all the first-team snaps at right guard. He seems like he is basically locked in there. So for Forrest Lamp, it looks like uh, it's left guard or bust. Yep. In 2019, there were no snaps for him at right tackle, even though they they talked about trying to, you know, test his versatility in camp and seeing if he could handle right tackle at this level. It doesn't seem like that's in the plan. It seems like he is working his way into that rotation at left guard, and it's either going to be that or nothing for him in terms of being a starter and, and making an impact in 2019. Yeah, so in the offseason, they were talking about Force Lamp getting tries at both guard spots and at tackle and it is left guard, like you mentioned. And Wisenhunt said, you know, we got a lot of guys there, and we'll kind of see where they land. And it seems like we already know. It's, you know, Force Lamp isn't going to replace anybody else other than Dan Feeney. Michael Schofield is cemented in that gar other guard spot, and there's no other guy that's taken uh, his role. And, you know, they have Sam Tevy at right tackle, and they've got Trent Scott at left tackle, and those guys aren't moving either. Uh, we thought, you know, maybe Trey Pipkins would get – some snaps maybe with the starters or they'd rotate some other guys there at tackle force lamping one of those guys they are not it is sam tevy and it is trent scott as the bookends yeah uh i mean we're not even seeing schofield at that right tackle position uh -uh. which some people thought lamp might wind up the right guard and schofield might slide out to tackle uh which is something that we i don't think i ever really thought that was a possibility but some people were hoping it might be just because they want to get tevy off the field it seems like this team is locked in on Tevi and Scott. There was really no rotation of any kind between them or with any of the other tackles at those two bookend positions. So right now, just based on what we saw yesterday, and granted it's one practice, but it, it did seem pretty telling, uh, it looks like four of those five spots are locked down with, uh, with Scott, Pouncey, Schofield, and Tevi, mm -hmm. and then they're having that heated battle with, with Feeney and Lamp at left guard. Yeah, and that's actually been the same offensive line rotation for seven days now of Chargers camp. So, you know, nothing has changed from the day it started to the day that you and I went. So it is all locked in except that left guard position. The fact that they were able to go against a guy like Aaron Donald at left guard was uh, pretty nice. And I, I won't say that Lamp won that battle because he didn't, but he won a couple of them. And uh, that, that was kind of nice to see. And um, and you, that reach block that you were talking about uh, was pretty nice because Aaron Donald seemed like he was offsides at that point. So to, the fact that he was even able to get over there in time was pretty impressive. So, yeah, uh, in terms of the offensive line with Okung out, it is Trent Scott. Yeah, whoopee. And then, uh, you know, throughout the depth, uh, we got to see uh, Trey Pipkins, who uh, had his struggles 
we got to see uh, Cole Toner actually left early on. He, he kind of walked up gingerly. Uh, you caught that, Jamie. And then, um, you know, we just saw the backup guards, some, some Questenberry, but uh, nobody really impressive along that line. Yeah, you know, they, they I was a little surprised. We had heard go, after they drafted Pipkins that they saw him as a future left tackle and that that was where they were going to be playing him. But yesterday there was a good deal of Spencer Durango playing left tackle and Pipkins playing right tackle. And honestly, it didn't really matter which tackle position Pipkins played. He was not very good at either one. I'll be coming out with an article with my observations for Bolts from the Blue later today. And the one thing I said was it looked like uh, Pipkins spent most of his day on his heels. And when he wasn't on his heels, he was on his ass. So not a very good day for Trey. Um, I know they like his feet and they like his athleticism, but he really struggled with power and speed off the edge and spent most of his time in uh, Tyrod Taylor's lap or at his feet. So it was a rough day for him. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, that's actually something we had talked about um, after the draft recap that I had heard that they were talking about having him be that swing tackle early on, but he's going to be a future left tackle. But it really didn't, like you mentioned, wherever he played, he he struggled. And, uh, you know, it's one practice. And, of course, everybody's going to talk about how it's early. But the Chargers team really had hyped Pipkins up before that day, but how they were excited about what they got in him and um, – Wiz was saying that, you know, once he settles in, I think we're going to be pretty excited about the player we drafted. And uh, they were kind of hyping him up and building him up, and that's great. And I'm sure he's had some pretty good days. Um, You know, he just had been a guy for me the last couple other days I went to camp. Uh, There wasn't anything that kind of impressed me. I didn't see him uh, win a lot of battles. It was kind of a, you know, win and lose. He was just doing okay. But in terms of Thursday against the Rams in that joint practice, he was more of a loser than he was a winner. And that was with second and third team reps. And he was struggling mm-hmm. with yeah. both. So yeah. the line as a whole, whether it was first team, second team, third team, the pass protection in general was terrible uh, on Thursday, I thought. They had a hard time protecting the edges, and there was a lot of interior pressure, regardless of which unit was on the field. Uh, Rivers was under duress, and of course, Rivers being Rivers just kept making plays. <laughs> uh, of course, they couldn't sack him. There yeah. were probably, I don't know, five or six plays that would have ended in sacks that wound up with him completing passes because they couldn't hit him. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyrod banged his hand on a helmet because of the pressure that he was getting at one point. Uh, it was just, you know, got quarterbacks were running for their lives. So it was not a good day in terms of pass protection yesterday. Yeah, we saw we did see something interesting with the quarterbacks, and that was that Cardell Jones was getting that QB3 spot ahead of Easton Stick, which was not the case uh, every day before that. So I don't know if they were trying to give Cardell a chance, but uh, Easton Stick uh, hadn't thrown for a good three-fourths of that practice up until the second-to-last 11-on-11 where he got some snaps. And uh, he ended up getting snaps because Cardell looked awful. He was lost and uh, didn't know where he was going with the ball, and they just threw him out and uh, let Easton Stick go in. One of his first reps at quarterback, he got under center, didn't know what the play was, tried to call timeout in practice, <laughs> uh, backed up over his left shoulder, so ball dangling at his right shoulder towards the line as he backpedaled to his left, um, looking at the sideline because he didn't know what was going on, basically gave up 10 yards and then just threw the ball away because he had no idea where he was supposed <laughs> yeah. to go. Yep. It was not pretty. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, he threw it in the dirt, and the, and the coaches took him right out. And uh, Easton Stick then came in, uh, completed some uh, two pretty good passes right away. But, um, you know, Stick was a guy that was, you know, holding on to that quarterback three. I mean, Cardell was barely getting any reps throughout practice leading up to that joint practice on Thursday. 
But, you know, for whatever reason, uh, he got the snaps before Easton Stick, and then they soon realized why they had Easton Stick as that third quarterback, and they put him in right away. And then I don't think Cardell got another snap after that, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, I don't recall. I don't think he yeah. did. Um, yeah, I thought Stick had some pretty good moments. He had one really nice throw into double coverage to, I think it was, I think it was Culkin, if I'm not mistaken, one of the tight ends. No, Jeremy Davis. Anyway, he completed a tough pass under duress uh, in a double coverage. It was Davis. Was it Davis? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, of course, on the next play, he tried to throw a deep out and floated it and almost got it picked. But Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, but he had some good throws, uh, showed some pretty good composure uh, in a situation where the line wasn't really protecting him at all. So flashed there a little bit, which is encouraging. Uh, hopefully that – Cardell Jones experiment will be ending soon. <laughs> it will. It will. <laughs> Something else that was pretty impressive on Thursday was the running backs. You know, uh, Eckler, Jackson, and Newsom all got snaps with the starters like they have all camp long. And uh, we are seeing that it's going to be a very steady rotation of those three running backs. And all had impressive days. You know, Justin Jackson had a touchdown pass that he caught. Eckler had a really good run. Newsom had a really good run. They were all good receivers out of the backfield. They all looked pretty impressive. And um, something that you mentioned, which I think you should mention on the podcast, is uh, you know after watching these guys, it seems like Gordon is losing his leverage by the day. Yeah, I really think he is. I don't think he had much to begin with. Oh, but no. all three of these guys, um, I think all three of these guys looked good, really good yesterday. Jackson had a really nice long touchdown catch on a wheel route down the near sideline from Rivers. Uh, they all were catching the ball extremely well. Uh, they all had some nice runs as well. They, they're explosive. They're all more elusive than Melvin is in the open field, which makes them really fun to watch. And I think this is a group that I've been saying it all off season and just watching them in camp kind of steals my confidence in this is I think they are a threesome that can approximate, if not completely replace Melvin's production. Um, you know, you're not going to, you're probably not going to have one guy rush for a thousand yards, but you might have two guys rush for six or 700 yards each and another one rush for three or 400. And I think it's a situation where you can rotate, run with the hot hand, you know, maybe tweak the offense a little bit to better suit their strengths. Hopefully the offensive line starts to play better. Um, but, you know, I think this is a group that can, that the chargers can win with and not just win with, but be efficient and be explosive with if they use them properly. Now, if they just try to slide them into Melvin's role and run them between the tackles 15 times, that's probably not going to work. But if they bring that short passing game back that was so effective last year, they get those guys out on the edges, maybe run some of those uh, you know, misdirections, sweep plays, things like that. I think those are those are plays that will set up well for Eckler. Jackson looks like he can probably run between the tackles, and Newsom is pretty thickly built. He can probably take some of those those runs between the tackles too. So no reason you can't split, you know, twenty to twenty five carries between those three and, you know, maybe split another 10 to 12 targets between those three. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, we had talked about it uh, just one-on-one, -on -one, but, you know, I think a lot of Charger fans, and it, it, it happened to me on Thursday, you know, everybody's asking, like, well, who's going to be the starting running back? Is it going to be Eckler? Is it going to be Jackson? Is it going to be Newsom? But uh, like we mentioned last podcast, this is going to be a three-headed monster, and you're going to see a, a heavy rotation of the three of them. It's not so much that this team needs a starting running back. You know, when I'm done uh, some trade scenarios where I thought they could trade uh, Melvin Gordon and everybody's like, well, 
trades are great, but they need a starting running back. Why don't they go on the market and get Jay Ajahi or LeGarrette Blunt? And that's just kind of a, a misconception in my mind. I don't think they need a starting running back. They can definitely rotate between these three guys. They all have exciting traits. Once you're doing that, you're able to keep those uh, legs fresh. And the, the defense now has to account for three different running backs to do three different things. And to me, you know, um, I had mentioned this to you, Jamie, but, you know, I don't see why they can't implement these three guys like the uh, 08 Giants did with the Earth, Wind & Fire with Brandon Jacobs, Derek Ward, Ahmad Bradshaw. Now, the Chargers don't have an Earth. You know, they don't have a ground-and-pound guy like Brandon Jacobs, and I think that's where the real question is going to be in preseason. Who's going to get that third and goal? Who's going to get that second and short, that third and short, you know, fourth and two, whatever? Who's going to grind out those yards? That's going to be the question because they don't have them, but... You know, when you got a guy like um, Eckler and Jackson and Newsom, why not give them three different looks? And Jacobs and Ward in 08, you know, they were hovering around 200 carries, and Ahmad, Ahmad Bradshaw had about, you know, 70. I, I don't see why they can't do that. To me, ha- circling these three and shuffling these three guys uh, would definitely replicate, you know, we had talked about, you know, 85, 90% of Melvin Gordon's production. Yeah, if not more. Um I think you make a really good point. You know, I, I've had people asking me on Twitter lately, like, who's going to be the lead back? Not necessarily the starter, but who's going to be the lead back? You still need a guy who gets that 300 to 400 carries a season. And I don't think you do. Um, I think I might have mentioned this to you when we talked about this offline yesterday, Garrett, but do you know how many running backs averaged more than 15 touches in at least 10 games last year? Oh, yeah, we talked about, uh, I think only one. Right? One. Yep. Is it, is it Zeke? Uh, I think it was Zeke. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember off the top of my head who it was. Yeah. But that's a number that sticks with me because it just shows you that, one, there's a lot of wear and tear at the position. So even if you have a lead back, just look at Melvin Gordon. Even if you have a lead back, they're probably going to miss a few games if you're expecting them to carry the ball 80% of the time. Uh, and two, but if, if you do have a lead back and they're wearing down, they're probably not going to be as effective late in the season. So if you have three guys who all have the skill sets that, that Eckler and Jackson and Newsom do, why not mix and match, go with the hot hand, make the defense game plan for three running backs with three different styles instead of just one? Yeah. And you know, maybe you keep them fresh with that rotation. You know, you get you get to weeks, you know, 13 through 17 and all of a sudden now you've got three healthy running backs because they have, they're not carrying the ball 15 to 20 times a game. Yeah. And now they're all fresher than the running backs you, you might be seeing in the playoffs. And you're not worried about Melvin Gordon at 70 or 80% because he's banged up and he's trying to play through an injury. You have three guys who can all produce. So I, I just think there's a lot to be gained from that. And you know, might you lose some production that way? Yeah, you'll probably lose some production that way. But I still think they can be highly efficient. I still think they can move the ball. I still think they can put points on the board. And I think last year, you know, if you look at the Chargers with Melvin Gordon versus without, and this is off the top of my head, so the numbers may not be exactly right. But I think without him, they averaged something like 26.5 or 26.6 points a game. And with him, they averaged 26.1 points a game. So he is the straw, the straw that stirs the drinks the drink you know he's the, he's the catalyst he has been for about two and a half years now but that's because they gave him the opportunities and they built the offense around him if they tweak the offense and they build the offense around the guys they have and they give them the same quantity and quality of opportunities i think they will also be productive just in a different way and then, of course, you know, we're at camp and uh, we're ready to hunker down and watch these guys and then we all hear that 
Melvin Gordon's agent, Bilbo, wants the Chargers to trade Melvin Gordon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, so the Chargers apparently, you know, they, I mean, I'm sorry, Melvin Gordon's team apparently, um, they made their formal trade request Yeah, either last week or early this week. And the Chargers said, nah. And the Chargers <laughs> said no. Uh, because why would they do that? Why wouldn't they just trade him if they're going to lose him anyway? Well, it's no guarantee they're going to lose him anyway. Right now, the Chargers hold all the cards, right? Gordon's under contract. And while his contract does expire at the end of the year, it won't roll over if he doesn't play. Um, he they could still tag him with a franchise tag in 2020. And if there's a season in 2021, which is up in the air because there might be a lockout, they could still franchise tag him again in 2021 if they want to. Yep. So they could still control him for at least three more years without giving him a contract. Uh, so he has really no bargaining power here. And he could be losing money in the process. And he could be losing money in the process because they're gonna they have the ability to fine him up to thirty thousand dollars for every day of camp he misses. Um, there are twenty three days of camp. So if they fine him thirty thousand dollars for every day he misses, that's six hundred and I'm sorry, nine hundred and sixty thousand dollars that he's going to to lo- miss out on if they fine him the full amount, mm-hmm. which they may not. Uh, that there's some gray area in there in terms of, you know, looking petty and damaging other negotiations with other players if you do that, but they have the ability to do that. They can also find him a game check for every preseason game and every regular season game he misses while he holds out. And I went and did the math on this. If they hit him with every fine for every day of training camp that he misses and they find him for every preseason game and every regular season game he misses, they'd be finding him almost $7.8 million this year. Now, he's made $10.6 million gross before taxes over the first four years of his contract. So he's probably made somewhere in the neighborhood of four and a half or five million dollars net after taxes. So assuming he saved his money, which he probably hasn't, I'm sure he's bought a house and cars and jewelry and all this, you know, house for the family and all that kind of stuff. He hasn't even made enough money in his first four years of his rookie deal to absorb the fines he's going to hit if the if the team finds him to the extent that they're able to. I mean, he's got endorsements and stuff, so there's some extra cash coming in, but still. It's it's going to be a pinch. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know he's he's due five point six million dollars, which he'll make whether he plays or not. But that you know that's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of two and a half million, three million dollars. So he could basically empty out his savings account or at least a large ch- chunk of it to try to prove a point. At which point the Chargers could still franchise tag him next year and the year after if they want to. So uh, I just don't see how he has any leverage. And the second the Chargers do put him up for trade and start going through those talks, they lose all the leverage because teams know they're not going to pay him and teams are going to start lowballing them for him. So there's no advantage. There's no incentive for the Chargers to start trade talks. Yeah, and this could all get worse once the Chargers run that three-man running back rotation and things end up working out like we think they will. And the thought that, you know, you can't replace me – quickly becomes, yes, we can, and now we need you back in camp. 
or we don't need you back right. in camp. Stay home. <laughs> yeah, we'll or stay home, you. or now the offer becomes something else. And that's something else that you and I had talked about. You had heard something interesting about how you know they'd offered them a, a deal, but now it seems like it may be just a one-year deal. Yeah, so there was a report last week that the Chargers had offered him between $10.5 million a year last year. Right. And there was a report from Charles Robinson late last week where he said – the Chargers were looking to sign a deal that was something, some kind of a raise over the uh, five-year, $40 million contract that the Falcons signed Devontae Freeman to. But the chart, but the, the Gordon camp was looking for something more along the lines of the three-year, $39 million contract that David Johnson signed with the Cardinals. The difference there being, I think Freeman got like $25 million or $20 million guaranteed. Johnson got $31 million guaranteed. So the, the Gordon camp wants more guarantees. They want more per year. So there was some conflicting reports, but I heard on ESPN yesterday, and I didn't see it for myself and I haven't been able to confirm it, but this is just what I heard, is that Shelly Smith reported on NFL Live yesterday that the Chargers actually made a one-year $10 million offer to Gordon at some point, probably last week, in a sort of take-it-or-leave-it approach of, hey, if you don't want to sign the, the longer-term contract that we offered you, here is a one-year $10 million deal for you, and we'll revisit this next year, which, of course, is probably what triggered the trade request. So it sounds like they offered him a longer-term deal, whether it's three or four years. Uh, they said, no, we want more money, and uh, the Chargers came back and said, well, fine, here's one year, here's $10 million. Take it or leave it, and uh, we'll move on without you. And so far, sounds like the Gordon camp did not like that, and they wanted to trade. And the Chargers, why would the Chargers want to do that when they hold all the cards? And potentially could uh, could hold even more cards if this ends up working out. So, yeah, it's it's kind of ugly right now. We'll see if Melvin Gordon reports, uh, you know, chance that the Chargers tag him anyways for the next two years, and this drags out even uglier for the next two years. So. I still think it carries into the regular season, but I think he's going to be back sometime around midseason, sometime between week six and week 10 is my projection. I just, I think once he starts seeing the fines mount and he starts, I mean, right now it's $30,000 a day and they're probably not fining him every day. So that's probably seems like a drop in the bucket, but a game check for him is $330,000. So how many $330,000 checks would you want to dish out <laughs> to hold out to quote unquote prove a point that you're not really proving to begin with? So I, I, I think he'll be back. I think he'll probably dish. He'll probably skip the preseason and be back at some point, you know, early mid regular season, just because it just doesn't pay to give up all that money when the team can franchise him and he might wind up sitting out another year, which I doubt he'll do. So, yeah. That's where I think this winds up going. Yeah. So uh, getting back to training camp, uh, we got to see the wide receivers. And, of course, Keenan Allen did Keenan Allen things on Thursday, uh, made a the highlight reel catch down the sideline, which was uh, awesome where he laid out for it with Eric Weddle in coverage, by the way. You know, Mike Williams had two touchdown catches. And Travis Benjamin uh, seemed like he was the best wide receiver behind him on Thursday, caught a touchdown pass, uh, made a couple other catches in coverage, and uh, the guys after that that we'd, we we kind of thought maybe would push Travis Benjamin, which were um, uh, Jeremy Davis and Artavis Scott, just kind of doing their thing. Uh, nobody has really pushed Travis Benjamin so far in seven days of camp. Yeah, Benjamin caught a touchdown pass. They were throwing him, throwing to him consistently on the deep ball. 
Um, he has been rotating from what I understand and what we saw yesterday. Yep. He's been rotating at that wide receiver three position with Davis, and that did continue on Thursday. Yep. Uh, but Davis isn't really making a ton of plays with the first team. Most of his plays are coming with the second team, and even that's pretty sparing. Didn't really see much out of Artavis Scott, although he was returning punts, and he broke a couple long ones, had one that probably would have been six if he hadn't tripped in the open field, but not not doing much as a wide receiver. So right now, it looks like the wide receiver depth chart, the first four spots are pretty much spoken for mm-hmm. with Allen, Williams, Davis, and Benjamin. And you've got Artavis Scott, Andre Patton, Justin Moore, and Justin Justice Liggins mm-hmm. all, combating, all battling for that fifth spot. Yeah. Um, and of those guys, the only guys that really stood out, at least to me yesterday, and it was still just flashes, were Justin Moore and Justice Liggins. Jason both of Moore. Whom, or Jason Moore yeah. and Justice Liggins, both of whom caught long, ball, long passes. Liggins had a touchdown, a catch and run for a touchdown. And Moore had a, a big play on a crossing route where he got a ton of separation in the middle of the field. So those are the guys who seem to be working their way up the depth chart, not really seeing a whole lot, at least in the one day that I was there, from Davis or from Scott. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Davis, Scott haven't really splashed at all in camp, and Travis Benjamin have made a couple plays. So he's probably uh, locked into that wide receiver three spot. But uh, there has been a rotation. They're trying to get Jeremy Davis in that spot too. So it seems like the it's Allen, Williams, Benjamin. You've got Jeremy Davis locked in. Uh, Artavis Scott probably has the lead right now uh, after Davis. But a guy that uh, has flashed a lot in camp so far in seven days is the undrafted free agent Jason Moore. So uh, look out for him. And another guy that's flashed and a guy that the team likes is the running back slash fullback uh, Jeremy Cox. I think he had a long catch yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. He did, yeah. Mm -hmm. And a pretty good run as well. What about tight ends? Let's talk about tight ends. Virgil Green has been out the last couple days. Uh, Hunter Henry has been, you know, the absolute safety blanket. Uh, a lot of tight windows, a lot of good catches from Hunter Henry. Uh, it's it's awesome to see him back out there. And then after that, Virgil Green's been injured the last couple days, so he hasn't been out there. And Sean Colkin has been the guy that's uh, made some good catches, had a touchdown uh, catch. And then after that, uh, Andrew Voller has seemed like he's made uh, some plays in the last couple days. Uh, I believe he had a, a touchdown catch with the twos or threes, if I'm not mistaken, from Tyrod. But uh, a guy that's kind of making a little bit more noise. Everybody, well, not everybody, but uh, within Bolts from the Blue, uh, everybody's been talking about this Daniel Helm, the Duke tight end, who ended up getting cut yesterday, um, making some noise. But it seems like Voller's been the guy. And um, one guy that we had talked about, and now I forgot his name. I uh, was formerly with the Browns. Oh, Vince Mayle. Yeah, Vince Mayle. So uh, Vince Mayle, uh, I think, had a touchdown catch as well, at least a long uh, catch mm-hmm. yesterday. But it seems like Volert's kind of that guy who I guess could push Colkin, but Colkin has uh, uh, flashed the last couple of days. Colkin was open quite a bit yesterday, just like Hunter Henry was. Uh, just want to say it was really nice to see Hunter Henry back. It just seemed like that Rams defense just kind of parted like the Red Sea in the middle of the field and – just let Hunter Henry run wild in the middle of the field. He made several contested catches. I think he had two touchdowns. Uh, he just looked like a massive, fast target in the middle of the field, and Rivers was finding him early and often. Um, Culkin was open quite a bit, made some catches, had one drop on a ball where Rivers fit a ball down the sideline pretty much perfectly, and he dropped it. Um, but he he seems like he's taking a step towards making the roster looks more athletic, like he might have lost some weight and added some speed in the offseason. And you mentioned, is it Volert? 
Yeah, Andrew Voller. He caught quite a few balls from Tyrod uh, yesterday and looked pretty good. It seemed like Tyrod and him have a pretty solid connection with that second team. So I, I think, you know, I think you're probably looking at three tight ends, but maybe Voller sneaks on as a fourth tight end if they're not quite confident or if Green's a little banged up still when, when the regular season starts. But right now it looks like it's probably going to be, you know, Henry, Green, and, and Culkin. Well, that does it. That kind of wraps up everything we saw in training camp, things to look forward to uh, next week in the first preseason game. I would appreciate you guys listening. I am at Garrisisty on Twitter. Jamie? At Lightning underscore Round. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.